to Buenta Vista Socialist Club. Uh, I am Andrew, and I'm here with Ben. I think I just, uh, just I fucked up your intro because an autoplay video just started on a, oh, a news article that I opened. No. Was it porn? Are we starting again? Oh no! I wondered what that was. No, let's leave, leave that it in, in there. What, what, what was, was it? Yep. It's texture. Uh, it was a fucking news.com.au video, which is oh. the most shameful thing. Oh. Uh, well, here you are, bumped back up to the first first spot to be introduced, Again. which you made a big deal about last week. And, you know, we're, gonna, we're clearly going to have to demote you again. Wait, I mean, how far down are you thinking? I don't want to be below Lucy. Interesting that the boys have been first the last two weeks. That's all I'm saying. Just three boys on this podcast yeah, and I'll- suddenly I'm last. It's just... It's just interesting. That's all. I feel like I feel like you you very rarely. Oh, well, last, I was this Lucy. time, and that's that's interesting oh. to me. Uh, second, here's Lucy. Hi, is Lucy in my MySpace? Uh, second in the top space. eight. Hello. Hi, Lucy. <laughs> and uh, apparently dead last this week, although not for long, given what's just happened. Uh, we have Theo. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine. You're not angry. You're not upset. <laughs> oh, who's ready to do a to do a quick ten minutes about how much we don't like auto playing videos on websites? Oh, right? I tell you what, grinds my gears. Gives me a shit. What was what was that noise? What was that? Oh, that was a gecko. What? That was also in my apartment. Are you, are you joking are you, right now? Why would I be joking about that? That's what geckos sound like. You... Why would that be the first thing to come off my head for a weird noise? I'm like, oh, this would be a fun prank. There's a gecko in my apartment. Well, I was like, why does Ben have a squeaky Do toy? Do geckos make no, noises? A... Yeah, so so this was a thing that took me like five years to work out after I moved to Brisbane. I just assumed that like there were sparrows nesting in my roof. <laughs> Um, because I lived in really horrible places where all the like uh, surfaces were slowly rotting, um, and then someone's like, "No, no, that's a gecko, and you're a huge idiot." Oh, okay, cool. What the fuck? Well, yeah, there's it's a wonderful uh, place. Learn something every day. There's a lot of geckos that live in my apartment. There's a uh, one I've developed a particular bond with, and I just I know it's him because he hangs out behind the same picture frame all the time. He'll scurry out for a moth. Go back in. Does he have a name? Greg. Nice nice name for a gecko. Hey, Greg. Friend of the show. Shout out. Friend of the show, Greg. Uh, Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but geckos are bigger than skinks. Is that right? I think they're pretty comparable. Skinks can get pretty big. Mm. Um, Do geckos' tails come off like skinks do? Yes. Yeah, 100%. Do you rip them off? It sounds like we're talking about the same lizard. I don't think we are. They seem the same. I'm googling skink right now. No, no, skinks are the you know they're the ones with the the stripy ones. Hmm. You know, yeah. stripy boys. Yeah, all right. Geckos don't look like that. <laughs> Little stripy boys. Uh, so that's been the nature corner. <laughs> uh, well, we all learned a little something about about some of the animals infesting Ben's apartment. <laughs> Bit about oh, Queensland. There are so many well. more. We could. This segment could keep going for a long time. <laughs> Oh dear! Now speaking of speaking of cold-blooded animals, that uh, no wait this this analogy doesn't work. I'm gonna I'm gonna immediately uh, back that out. I was gonna start talking about Milo Yiannopoulos, but we we like we like the geckos. You could, more. Have, you could have gone with, but I ain't spending any time on it. In my opinion, mm, yeah, that's true. That's true. 
Um, all right. Well, look, we're, we're just going to have to plow ahead with this now. Um, as you may or may not know, um, everybody's uh, not favorite, not friend of the show, big, tedious shithead, uh, Milo Yiannopoulos is in town. He's in Australia. Um, as as Ben put it in an article he wrote recently, uh, what was the headline on that one, Ben? Uh, I believe that headline was Tedious Edgelord Trots Out Shtick in Only Country That Hasn't Told Him to Fuck Off. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Feel like that sums it up. Yeah, I, I, I feel think like I did that pretty concisely. I was pretty proud of that. Yeah, although I should note that um, I was looking at that in a browser uh, when I was reading it, which, uh, due to the size of the window, the big title up top said um, "in country which is yet to tell him to fuck." <laughs> Interesting. So just kind of tr- trimmed trimmed the end there and made it a little little weird. Um, so part of the reason we bring this up. Uh, you see, you know, we we were speaking about this amongst ourselves, and conveniently, uh, one of our listeners has has previously written a question to us about this that we didn't get to answer last week. Uh, so, friend of the show, Arca Nineties, um, asks, "Why is Milo on TV here and getting a tour after that BuzzFeed article and being outed as a pedo apologist?" Because we're the worst country in the world, and the most racist, mm. and the worst. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that uh, Australian media is really, really desperate to have a narrative that's as dramatic as the clash between right-wing and left-wing protesters over a bunch of stuff over in America. But we don't really have yeah. that. We have nothing that's, that's exciting. We don't have these, you know, riot police beating people up and all that stuff. So this is their chance to be like, whoa, oh, yeah. shit's going down. And we... Dangerous we still ideas. send the riot police. We send a hundred of them, and then nothing happens, and nobody nobody fights each other, and there's just loads of police everywhere. Oh, there was a fight uh, oh, tonight's one. Was there? Uh, but mm. uh, very satisfyingly, uh, it was right wing dudes that the police were pre- pepper spraying and arresting. Uh, obviously, fuck cops, but usually the the optics on these confrontations are that. It's been, you know, left-wing people goaded into getting into clashes with the right-wing dudes and then they've been the ones getting arrested and then the media spends the next 70 years being like, oh, leftists are violent scum who hate ideas. Well, it's funny you say that, Ben, because uh, Andrew Bolt has already described the protests as violent. Has he? Oh, and that's that's the headline that everyone is running with. Uh, And it's funny that, you know, that... By you know, emitting, oh, you know, this wasn't actually from the left. Uh, it's a deliberate choice, I would say. Oh, extremely. Like, so you look at uh, news.com.au was reporting on it by saying uh, protesters clash outside controversial white wing streets, blah, blah, blah. The subheading being Melbourne was the scene of violent clashes. Again, not really pointing that it was, you know, fascist violence. And then uh, Nine News ran with like violent protests happening. And again, there's no indication of where it's coming from but it's always implicit that it's the people that are protesting milo that are doing it but Mm. uh in reality it was dudes from fucking where is it um oh guys from one of the racist groups oh what's the the group the big one the the guy with the tall with shirt. The blue. There's blue in the title. Oh, something blue. It's, yeah, not yeah, yeah. not reclaim um, Australia. Patriot blue. Patriot, Patriot blue. Britain first. 
Where is it? Oh no, it's not even them. Fucking oh. this is getting very confusing. We're all over yeah. here, guys. We're a mess. Oh, we'll cut this. No, let's leave it in. It turns out that there are. It turns out that there are too many. Um, white nationalist groups in Australia well, for us to keep track of. Names. This so this one is the True Blue Crew, not to be confused with Patriot Blue. A Patriot Blue, which were themselves were like a split off from um, that the other, the previous Reclaim? big one. Reclaim Australia? Yeah, Reclaim. Yeah. Weren't they the more racist ones? I don't, I don't know. know. They're all I don't very know racist. Factions. They're all extremely racist. Hmm. Well, so yeah, to answer to answer that question in the in the micro, it is yeah, obviously that Australia's media landscape is um I think I think relatively immature compared to some other countries and um quite often pretty much pretty much anybody who is known uh from outside of the country is considered a scoop and a big get and all that sort of thing. Um, I don't understand things like uh, was was it the Today Show or Sunrise, whichever one has uh, Kochi Kochi on it. Did say Kochi? They sound. You definitely putting a T in there. I probably did. Hmm. Interesting. Kochi. Am I meant to be saying Kochi? That's the guy that we all love. Kochi. David Cock. Kochi. Well, I'm going to say this. I don't spend a lot of time watching anything with him on it, so I pretty much only ever see it written. But Koch, Kochi, everybody's friend, Kocho. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, like uh, they, they had an interview with Milo on their show, and um, he came on and went, here's some of my stupid ideas. And he went, oh, I don't know about that. You sound like a bit of a dickhead. And then they just cut it off. I was like, I, it, was there nobody who could let you know beforehand that he was definitely a dickhead and this was exactly what he was going the time. to say? They put on these fucking shithead right-wing people and then Andrew O'Keefe or Koshy's like, hmm, maybe you're a bit of an idiot. And then it's like a big, ooh, controversy. Can we talk about the, uh, the, yeah, the like, first big shots that he fired when he came to Australia? Oh, yeah. It's the best thing in the world. <laughs> so they had warmed up. All of these articles being like, Milo Yiannopoulos is here with his dangerous mind to destroy Australia with his incredibly dangerous ideas. And right then, wing's bad boy. And then his opinion is, the Opera House, not so good. <laughs> it's like they ran a, a giant Ooh. picture of it in, I think it was news.com.au, that was just him sitting in front of the Opera House doing a thumbs down. <laughs> Which is just the saddest image I've ever seen. Rackham. So triggered. Like it's none of us built it. We don't really care. It's just a pointy building that's got really bad acoustics. It's not. No one's going to get beat up about it. Yeah, it's like it's a cultural touchstone, but who gives a fuck? Like if someone found it aesthetically displeasing, who cares? I'm sure there are shitloads of people who live in Sydney who are like, nah, things are a bit of an eyesore if you ask me. As people are about any, um, you know, public installation or building that is not a tall square. Uh, There's always going to be people who are not into it. But yeah, even even the fact that, I mean... Surely that just illustrates what his entire shtick is, which is to show up and go, uh, hmm, I'm going to take a shot in the dark at something that I hope makes people mad or Like he's just, them. he's Googled Australia. 
been like, oh, they have some mm. sort of opera house. All right, well, I'll say that sucks and then see how that goes over. Mm, I don't like this whole Sydney thing you said. Buddy, I got news for you. None, none of us, us do. do. None of us on this podcast do. That's right. None of us love the garbage city. Uh, you're the one who chose to land there in a plane like Dumb a fool. Idiot. If he'd shown up and been like, hey, this is actually pretty cool. I think Ben and I would be sitting here going, you fucker. <laughs> you piece of shit. You must be silenced. Mm, but uh, but no, he didn't. He clearly chose uh, some incredibly lame shit to try and get it. Like for for him, he's just at the point now of like professional wrestling heel. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, he just he just sort of turns up and goes, "Ah, oh, the things that you like in your country are dumb and bad." But it to sounds me, like Andrew go, that you're oh, just boom. insulting him, and you're not willing to argue him on on his. Uh, points using uh, facts and logic and reason, which are the things that they like. You won't debate him. You won't debate him. You no, and that's... I think that just shows that uh, we've got, we haven't got a leg to stand on, really. Ad hominem to me. Mm. It's, it's true. Um, I am, in fact, too cowardly to arrange a public time and place to debate Milo on his important positions like uh, whether or not anyone should have intercourse with Clementine Ford or mm. uh, whether or not every, every single Muslim in the entire country should be deported to somewhere. He, uh, he had another uh, all of these really, really well-thought-out, intelligent opinions and positions that he well, has. One of his ones from tonight's thing was uh, apparently a joke that lit up the whole room, uh, which was, hey, it's time we admitted that Aboriginal art is bad. Like, what wow. are you doing, oh. man? Like, I guess the opera house thing didn't didn't work out. Tried to get a bit more on PC. Didn't didn't land like he wanted. Yeah, just the the targets that he's choosing are just like he's literally just googling things about Australia. That's all that it is. He's like, oh, I saw some some sort of dot paintings going on. I'll see they if I say if, if they suck. If people get up in arms. Well, I assume it's just incredibly um, unsubtle dog whistling oh, to yeah. the crowd oh, of absolutely. like. Uh, you you shouldn't have to value the culture of these people, but like, yeah, it's just it's just all the laziest shit. What I can't understand is how much of the time um, he has basically just said out loud, um, "Oh yes, I'm I'm a provocateur. I just I say things to get people razzed up, and people describe him as that in their own like writings about him and everything, which." Is fine if that's if that's your fucking thing, if that's your deal or whatever. But I don't understand how so many people still treat him as though he is actually anyone to be listened to about any kind of issue of substance. Like to me, once you've like does at what point do any of these people just like slow down and read the boy who cried wolf or something? I shit? think they like, they read anything because they're not very smart and their brains are not not good brains and that's why they like Milo. Yeah, and also like Gigi yeah, Allen was a provocateur. Like Milo is just he's he's their he's their idea of a provocateur. Like he's just the most milk toast like. There's just nothing there. Um, there was some a uh, nice piece of writing recently from a friend of the show, Jason Wilson. 
um, who writes for The Guardian and stuff, but he had a piece on Alternet, which was from a couple of years ago when he went to uh, he went to a Milo show which didn't get protested and so it didn't get shut down or anything. And he said, um, yes, you'd be surprised by how much it kind of takes. It really sucks all the air out of the whole event when he doesn't have like a, a you know, an opposing force there to point out and go, they don't want me to speak to you. And like instead, he just gets to get up there and say what he wants. And he was like, it's it's incredibly boring and not really witty and there are like literally whole long stretches of his you know 45 minute talk or whatever that are just him rattling off people from the media and insulting them about their appearance or whatever it's facts and logic andrew like i said there is there isn't yeah there's there's no there's no substance there's no actual anything that he's talking about he's just saying stuff like your professors at this university are cunts and everyone goes, ooh, the C word. I hear a skink. That's block. a gecko, motherfucker. I hear a gecko, but yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. What do you got, um, Andrew? Have you got, you got kangaroos everybody. and shit up there? <sighs> yeah, there's you plenty of kangaroos. kangaroos. Where you live? I see a whole ton I of see, them I around. used to see them in Canberra. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, got a lot of spiders, mm. actually. Mm. Little spiders cruising around. I got to act brave about them in front of the You got moths? You got bogong moths? Uh, not too many moths. Um, Elder, Elder is extremely not I'm about moths. I'm not about moths either. Um, I respect oh, so, moths. So you just chose not to have moths? I'm I'm more scared of moths than any other creature. Yeah, um, El- Elder's very very not into them either. Uh, one time we were walking along and like a, one of the one of the big really fluffy ones um, came flying along and flew uh, down <laughs> her top. And you got cucked by a moth and fluffed, <laughs> fluffed around all, all inside her top and then just popped out somewhere as she just freaked out the entire it. time. Yeah, it. see? Well, you're getting the chills. I hate you're getting it. the chills. When I moved to Canberra, we went to the, the rugby and there was a big fucking bogong moth. I didn't know they existed and I, I squealed at the rugby. It's very embarrassing. To me, oh, moths yeah. are the friendliest instinct in, uh, insect. That, that's not, what those are friendly, called. Hairy. Oh, they're angry. the nicest ones. All the rest are the rest are like crawly and disgusting, whereas oh, moths are soft. Moths are crawly. Moths are wise. Moths you're helped you're Gandalf. Of Have you <laughs> seen Lord of the Rings? It's, it's a it's a documentary. True. About the moths. Well, that one moth. Gandalf. I don't know if that he's representative of the entire moth community, but certainly that moth was a good egg. Well, there you go, Lucy. You should be trusting I'll try. all moths. We'll try in future. Um. So that was part two of the Nature Corner. <laughs> Learning a little more today about us and our relationships with animals. Um, but yes, to yeah, like like we're saying in the sort of in in the in the micro, I think that Australia's um, media industry, by and large, is completely unable to resist talking to and putting on some kind of pedestal or at least a TV screen, someone who is just a known quantity of any kind from somewhere else in the world. Mm. I think that is one factor for us. Um, But something else that we kind of wanted to talk about and, you know, we've already been doing it, but is the sort of larger issue of how, how are you actually supposed to approach um, someone like Milo where, 
you know, on one hand, you can just say, well, just don't talk about them and, you know, just sucks all the, they're like a bully. If you ignore them, they'll go away. Um, you know, what are the, what are the alternatives? You can ignore them. You can talk about them. You can do what I think people keep trying to do, which, uh, apparently Lucy and Theo keep recommending that I do personally somehow, which is, um, you know, engage with him and disprove <laughs> his ideas by, by countering, countering them with disprove facts and his logic. Ideas. And you see he doesn't pe- have any ideas apart from Clementine Ford is not hot. Yeah. Like, uh, and which, which you know, you would have thought that again. All these fucking right wing chuds who who get on things like Twitter and say, "Oh, you resorted to an ad hominem. You've lost well, the do. argument." Doing those Stefan Molyneux, not an argument, not an argument kind of shit. But they're perfectly happy to whoop it up at someone like Milo, just where their entire act is just insulting. But the people. thing, the, the thing, um, like the problem with that whole not an argument thing, right, is that. Their, their points can be disproven, but um, and I'm not like this is not an original thought. I think think it sort of goes in the scientific communities as well, where it's like it's it's very very easy to put forward a bullshit theory, right? It takes five seconds to say something like all Muslims should be deported, right? And it takes hours and hours to actually disprove that, right? Like. If your if your whole thing is trying to disprove stuff on or, or you know prove stuff or whatever on good faith, and the other side's just making bad faith arguments the whole time, you'll never keep up. You'll you'll like address one thing and they've already gone down, you know, ten steps down the road. It's never it's pointless, right? Like no one no one wants to be in that fucking on that treadmill just like debunking their bullshit because no one cares, no one's listening. Well, that's. That's also what got Australia to the position it's in with um, with policy around climate. Yes, exactly. Change. Yeah, climate change is the perfect example because no one no one will listen. And if you if you go, well, here's the facts and the figures, right? They go, well, the figures are made up. Like no one, if your ma- if your mind is already made up on that, you're not going to listen to the to the actual facts. So why why bother with those with those people? You have to keep going forwards on what is what is true and right. Um, independent of that, right? You know, you want to talk about um, climate change. You don't talk about it in the way of of like in the frame that they want you to put it in. You just talk about it, right? In in what is true and real and, and whatever. And it's the same thing with all these bullshit right right wing arguments. You know, we we know that um, that they're not true, um, and I don't think yeah you should really address them in the way that they frame it. Well, part of the issue, though, is that for for people like that and for people like, say, um, dearly departed Senator Malcolm Roberts, um, formerly of Pauline Hanson's One Nation, um, now just just sitting in a room somewhere, just sadly fashioning an array of tinfoil hats for himself. Um, yeah, like with, with him, he got far, far too much airtime and, and decency from people um, attempting to counter the sort of stuff you're talking about, Theo, of him, of you know, like uh, having having like the head researchers from CSIRO come come before him in Senate estimates and say, "All right, here's our here's our decades of research on this stuff and all of our scientific methods of measurement and everything." And he says, "Nope." But prove to me, to my satisfaction, that it's not all a thing you made up. 
which is obviously like immediately moving the goalposts about 800 he's miles a, away. He's exactly like um, that. I think it's a day-to-day sketch about how people hire stupid people to have arguments for them, like to get out of like fines or whatever. Like you literally can't beat him because he is too stupid to understand any argument you put forth or to understand how anything reflects in his reality. There's like like yes. hundreds of pages of Hansard transcripts of him arguing with those CSIRO dudes and they're all like, oh, well, no, it's actually it's, it's quite simple why that's not the case. And he's like, well, why isn't it the case? I'm like, Well, that's... That's yeah. what I. That's literally yeah, what, and they just, like and they just break it. down to going like, I I don't know what you want from me. Yeah, <laughs> please release me from this oh, I've, hell. <laughs> I've I've seen a quote from one of those scientists. It might have been from some of the um, some of the documents that I've seen released over the years of from the time before he was a senator when he would just spend all of his time harassing and haranguing climate scientists at universities and in their offices by sending them endless correspondence and demanding answers to his questions. And yeah, at least one of them wrote back to him saying, I could give you these answers, but you're clearly not interested in them. You know, you, you're not interested in them and I doubt you're going to understand them anyway. Yeah. Um, there's clearly something that you that you're trying to get me to say. I'm not going to say it. Let's not bother doing this whole dance. But I would say as well that that that's a different type of person to what we're describing in Milianopolis, where you know people like Malcolm Roberts and people who have gone too far down their collective like PizzaGate and and climate change holes and all that sort of stuff. They're they're Benghazi bunkers. Um, once, once you get far enough into that kind of conspiracy theorist stuff, you can find information that'll confirm anything that you've been told or anything, you know, you think or whatever, and you can just kind of keep dredging up weird, unsupported, unverified things and saying, ah, this kind of supports that deal. Whereas Milo, on the other hand, I think is the, the difference with him and the difficulty is that he is not approaching anything that he's saying or doing from a position of good faith or from the, yeah, from the idea that he's like actually trying to make an argument. Like we said, it's, it could not be more transparent from his trip to Australia that he literally arrives and says, what can I say to make the populace of here the most? Yeah. What what can I say to make the populace of this country mad at me? Nothing's like I'm trying. I'm trying to promote dangerous ideas, or I'm trying to get you know, just asking questions. I'm trying to get people to debate stuff. He admits as much himself that he that he just says things to to get a rise out of people, just to make make people mad and make people argue and stuff. And that's his what he relishes. Love it though. So they I don't understand. Lap it up and like his fans genuinely believe the shit that he says, which is the dangerous part about it. Which is why I think we're having the issue of, yeah. you know, should we not let him speak or should we debate him? And I don't really know what the right answer is. Mm. It, it, I don't know. I kind of feel it, like. I think it's one of those things, though, where like people are. It, it is a really trite response to just be like, if you ignore him, he'll go away. Because I think eventually that's maybe true. But at the same time, there is a really large mobilization of people that do support him that have the worst fucking opinions in the world. And I think you kind of have a duty as like someone that lives in a, you know, multicultural, whatever, 
country, if you've got someone who's been giving all the, the time and attention in the world saying these horrible fucking things about people that live here and, you know, deserve to live here and whatever, there is some responsibility to vocally be like, no, we don't agree with that. We won't accept having someone here say that. Like, mm. I, I don't know. I think there is, well, just letting it all slide it just seems irresponsible in a way. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I agree with that in that, you know, very, very much what you're saying. And not only does, not only, you know, do you sort of have a moral obligation to say, this is not really what we're into. Partly it's about, you know, speaking on behalf of the society that you're a part of and saying, hey, you know, we're, you know, largely speaking, we belong to a society that believes in, you know, tolerance and acceptance of people who are different to you and everything. And to have somebody coming in and saying, deport every Muslim that you've got and feminism is a form of brain cancer and all this sort of shit. Uh, people should be standing up and saying, uh, that's, that's really not how we do things. But not just as an expression of this is what this society is about, but I think also in a way that can be can be seen by the marginalized groups that he's targeting. I think it's really important for I think it's really important for some of those groups to actually see people standing up and going, uh uh-uh. mm. you know, let's 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 not have you talking about these people like this. Because like you said, it is really tried and easy to say, ignore this person and they'll go away. You know, ignore this person and they'll only have 200 people turn up for this shitty uni talk and no one will really care and eventually the the attention will uh, drift off. And that is a very that is a very compelling idea, particularly considering that you just know that anytime there is 100 riot cops out there and people punching on in the street outside of his thing, that he is going to yeah, be exactly loving it because it's news, it's attention... He gets to say, yep, everywhere I go, people freak out because my ideas are so dangerous yeah. and all this sort of shit. But, but yeah, just it does make you wonder, like if, like I said, if you're part of the Muslim population of Australia and this guy comes through talking about that sort of shit and it goes completely unchallenged and unremarked upon, the, what, what signal does that send to you? As a and also, of the other society. thing is, like, we absolutely ban, like, Muslim hate preachers from events and stuff like that here. Like, there's plenty of times that that's happened, but mm. we allow this stuff to happen. But, you know, Milo acts on this whole idea of, you know, everyone's so PC, everyone wants you to be silenced, and that's what they he feeds off in people. And so I don't know how effective it is to ban him from things, but it's also not effective to just ignore it, so... I don't know. I'm I'm a centrist on this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it, it is really. I think it is really mm. genuinely difficult to know what is the right way to approach I it. I think approaching um, it from like, I think reporting on him and the shit that he does does have some value, and I think protesting him does have some value. But I think it definitely needs to be centered more from a position of ridicule than from taking him. With mm. any level of seriousness. Mm. Like, all he wants is dudes to start fights out the front of his things. But, like, all it should be is, like, you know, a thousand people gather outside and just laugh 
at every single person that walks into that fucking amphitheater or whatever uh, because yeah. they deserve it because they are useless, useless people doing something that is just like Pathetic. so devoid of any merit. Like, you know, that that's the thing with him is that he's not really a dude putting forth an argument. He's literally just going out there to piss people off to no other end. Like, that's not a belief system. That's just you being a cunt. Well, it's it's the same sort of thing that people have been talking about with a lot of uh, a lot of the rise of the uh, alt light and alt right and everything is that so much of it is just grievance politics. So much of it is just about um, so much of it is just about saying, "Hey, as long as I can cause offence to somebody I consider my political opponent, I will consider that a victory. I don't have to agree with the thing. I don't have to believe it. I don't even have to care about it." But um, you know, just as long as as long as somebody gets mad, that's good enough for me. As long as a lib gets triggered. Should we should we start ignoring Milo now? I guess well, we could just kill him. <laughs> we could. Like, what if we just what if we just shot him with a gun? <laughs> we can't, we oh, can't on, talk man. about these uh, things anymore. <laughs> I can't, can't go here again. Uh, I, I, I just don't think that um, I don't think that the crime pass is going to cover this. Well, what, what I'm saying. saying is, this isn't like some sort of if you kill him, more will spring up in his place type deals. There really is only one. You just shoot him and then he's gone. Just saying. There'd, there'd be another. Mm. There'd be another type of him, surely. Yeah, but it wouldn't be the same one. It'd be you a know, different like, one. Yeah, like there have been other bad uh, right-wing cartoonists, but nothing as bad as Bill League has sprung up in his place. I think Lunig's, Lunig's going that way. Oh, he's trying. Did you guys see I tweeted, did Lunig fall off a balcony? And everyone linked me to this article where he like hit his head very yeah, recently. Ha- like oh, yeah, that's yeah. a genuine thing that mm. happened. And then he started becoming more cooked. I think this is an important uh, theory to build on. We should run an awareness campaign on this, just like making sure cartoonists wear helmets at all time to avoid getting accidentally racist. <laughs> to avoid becoming racist. Um, can I uh, can I read to you a, a segment of this article from Jason mm-hmm. Wilson about about Milo's speech at DePaul mm-hmm. University? Um, so this was, this was just the part I was talking about where, uh, he says, and I quote from this piece, I'll link to this in the, um, in the episode description, uh, on his current campus tour, alleged threats to his free speech and the back and forth between Yiannopoulos and his antagonists have been the only thing sustaining interest in the whole enterprise. I know because I attended a Milo event at which there was no left reception committee. When he appears unchallenged, the Milo show is the dampest of squibs. At the University of Oregon, where I saw him, it was not clear that he was especially grateful for the platform or the lack of interruptions. Uh, Quote, your professors are cunts on the whole, he tells the mostly student audience in an almost full auditorium. Limp-wristed, pacifistic, sandal-wearing weirdos. It goes on like this for hours. The epithets are relentless and the provocations artless. Without hostile interruptions, Yiannopoulos' act, which unfortunately relies entirely on him speaking, is a one-note affair. (laughs) 
The Oregon, okay, the Oregon engagement begins, like the others, with a one-on-one interview. Tonight, his interlocutor is co-president of the local branch of Young Americans for Liberty, who are sponsoring the evening. Then comes an open question and answer session, and Milo finishes up by giving fans an opportunity to take selfies with one of the Wright's rising stars. But right now, that's a long way off. First, we have to wade through the red pill boilerplate that constitutes Milo's political views. Uh, quote, there's an assault in this country, he informs his interviewer, on straight white men waged by middle-class women and cucks. In this case, the latter is being used to describe male feminists who, quote, don't need to be castrated, they've done it themselves. Wow. Moving on to rape culture, which he considers a myth, he asks with a theatrical moan, is there anything worse than consent? Wow. Mm. There's real logic and facts going on here. Mm. These opinions are odious, of course, but in another way, all utterly banal. Most adults will find Ianopolis's show exactly as transgressive as a dirty joke told by a racist uncle. He wants desperately to cause deep offense to the left, and with some campus-based comrades, he clearly succeeds. Others will struggle to muster an eye roll. I've heard pithier put-downs of progressives on Australian barstools. But, uh, yeah, so that uh, that one really sort of leapt out at me as far as a... As far as the, you know, if, if people don't actually turn out and give him what he wants, which is the combat, uh, then all of a sudden it just completely sucks all the steam out of it and you're left with just a dude saying, left-wing uh, people are cucks and betas and they mm. are triggered by... Uh, That's it, though. I think the ridicule angle, it's like, I think we all do it when uh, some fucking dumb shit idiot on Twitter replies to us. And the most fun thing to do is just make fun of them constantly until you realize how stupid they are and they don't realize that they're being owned. But I think that's the most effective way to deal with an insane right-wing person is to just make fun of them. Mm, I love to just sustain the idea that I don't understand what's <laughs> yeah. happening in my interaction with them. Yeah, we all do that. It's so much fun. Yeah, it's really good how long a person will go on for. <laughs> God, I know. Oh. But... uh so should we? All right, are we all are we all taking the centrist angle? I think, yeah. That we should talk should talk about Milo. But I just think to we shit should on shit him? on him, but yeah, I don't think we should debate him because it's very clear that people like him are honestly not interested in any kinds of facts or statistics or anything logical. Yeah, I think the last mm. thing that he wants is to be seen as boring, which he is. Mm. So mm. I think the more. Uh, muted the reaction probably the better in just in Milo's case mm. Mm. I think we should shoot him with a gun I agree <laughs> mm. <laughs> mm. lucky there are no guns I, I have several anyway. guns no. I won't agree stop that stop. Stop. federal police I do not have any guns I've never even seen a gun I don't know how to spell I don't the word know ben. I've never heard of Ben before we just happened to be on this podcast didn't no I didn't consent to this I'm not called Ben. Mm. Uh, my name is uh, James. Uh, uh, microphone. Uh, and uh, I don't live in Brisbane. <laughs> Very smooth. Very smooth, guys. You've um, you've covered up the evidence of your premeditated crime perfectly. Uh, so moving on, now that we've spent the vast majority of the show talking about geckos and Milo Yiannopoulos, uh, we should we should cover a couple of other little things. Um, we had 
we had a we had a nice bit of news um, during the last week or so that we didn't get to cover, which was uh, news coming from a friend of the show, BuzzFeed's Lane Sainty. Um, had a bit of breaking news from last week, which was that the family court has ruled that trans teenagers no longer need to go to court for hormone treatment if the if the child and the parents and the doctor agree. Yeah, a fantastic. Good. 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 I feel like maybe maybe you and me did mention that at some point, Theo. No, it was on the list. I don't think we got to it. Oh, good. Well, there you are, folks. We just wanted to acknowledge um, a bit of good news. Imagine good news. Doesn't happen often. Picture good news. That's the only good news. I can't. I can't think of any other good news recently. Think of the children, but in a good way. Yes. Not in a horny way. Think of the trans. Think of the trans children getting a break for once. I wasn't implying that. Uh, also, just generally. Okay, well, thanks. Uh, <laughs> thanks for ruining it, guys. Thanks, Lucy. Sorry. Wow. I'm sorry. Anyway, mm. I was mm. just going to say, mm. uh, just if you if you don't already, you should be very closely following Lane Sainty's work. Who? Oh, she yeah, she's good. Mm. She is by far uh, the most hardworking uh, journalist focused on queer issues in Australia, and she's. Uh, yeah, just absolutely phenomenal work all the time. If you want to kind of, I think, see her work in a nutshell, um, there's um, her like 14-point rebuke of uh, Miranda, Miranda Devine's um, like moral outrage uh, on the um, trans issues where um, basically outlined point by point why conservative commenta- uh, commentators uh, have no idea about either the legal or the medical issues involved with trans kids uh, today. So yeah. she's doing good work. Mm. So very, very epic takedown of Miranda Devine, that one. Um, yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that. Um, Lane does incredible work. Uh, you can follow her on Twitter at Lane Sainty. You can see all of her work in BuzzFeed. Um, she's often live tweeting lots of the goings on in Parliament House. Um, so please do, please do follow her. Please do tell her that we said hello and we think she does amazing work. Um, as does Alice Workman, who's been from also from BuzzFeed, who's been breaking some very large stories over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I think if anyone's making fun of BuzzFeed still. Uh, in 2017, I don't know. Maybe it's an American thing, but in Australia, um, they are doing amazing work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they seem to be doing like actual journalism that doesn't involve just um, uh, giving quiet uh, favor wristies to politicians in hallways and going. Just slip me a little bit of info if you feel like it, but if you don't, it's no biggie. Yeah, they made a uh, a relatively quick pivot from like. Two years ago, doing Dumb shit. pretty fluffy listicles, doing stuff that was like weirdly like trying to rehabilitate like Philip Ruddock's image and stuff. To <laughs> yeah, now they're weird. like, that was very strange. Uh, and now they're like at the opposite end of the spectrum from like all of the cushy access journalism that everybody else does. Uh, well, there's like uh, Alice, yeah, Alice Workman's um, stuff that she's producing seems to be produced, like also eliciting a very strong reaction of that's not how this is supposed to work from politicians. You didn't go through camera, the uh, proper channels. Mm. That's right. 
you didn't get you didn't get fed your um, leak from the from the Sherry Markson media pool, which uh, that actually probably serves um, as a pretty good uh, segue into oh, absolutely. the Bolt saga. Oh, so good, which I think, yeah, it just demonstrates what the proper channels are. Which um, Bolt saga? Are we talking about how Bolt's good now? No, no, no. This is no, um, no. Ca- kind of was great, both though. good and bad. The snake is eating itself this time. Okay. Uh, Wait, what? Uh, hold on, just just very briefly. What was? Oh, the bolt bolt being good was um, bolt shitting all over Lunig's quote because that was fucking <laughs> phenomenal. Hey, I'll, so I'll look funny. that up. It was so funny, but um, he also, but he, he also he wrote an article about uh, I have to apologize to women because I was wrong about everything, and I was kind of like, what? yeah, what? it was literally like, oh, all these revelations of sexual harassment. Maybe I was wrong about everything, and maybe if there were Jesus. quotas in the workplace, all this shit like Don Burke wouldn't have happened. What? And yeah. uh, not to add another um, thing to the pile, but um, he, previous to that, um, put out an article uh, saying, um, hey, maybe lay off the transphobia. Um yeah, um, and someone hell? someone commented on it saying, "Hey, you know, it, it seems pretty obvious that Andrew Bolt actually knows a trans person, um, and this is the only way that you can really get through to conservatives is through learned experience." Um, so yeah, it's it's, it's very interesting, um, but no, I think still on the whole, he's still a huge oh, piece of still shit. A piece of shit, but something's uh, going on. I reckon Bolt's is- in love. <laughs> Something's going on in his life. He's happy, <laughs> having a happy time. Mm. But please read this quote. Oh, it's just so good. So this was following on from the the Lunig article from the weekend, which was very ominously posted from the Ages Twitter account, being like, "Lunig's take on the royal wedding." Dot. Very funny. Dot. It wasn't. <laughs> and it's like at best a generous reading of it is that it's fucking nonsense. And at worst is that it's a weird, nonsense, slippery slope argument thing about marriage equality, which he's already taken umbrage with, but whatever. It was it was complete garbage. Uh, this is just the headline of the subheading from Bolt's article about it. How does Lunig's trash get published? How did the age come to run this Michael Lunig cartoon? A fear of not getting some joke it didn't understand. A contractual obligation. Fear of upsetting this strange man... <laughs> <laughs> That's the best line. Fear of upsetting this strange man. Well, I, I really enjoyed that somebody pointed out that he could have just been describing himself. <laughs> Why do they run this guy's stuff? Are they worried about upsetting him? Uh, I feel like Bolt could come over to this side. I reckon he's got the potential. Oh, you reckon he'll do the Andrew Bolt? Welcome to the resistance. The rare late stage lefty confirmanism. Um, yeah. Very mm. late stage. I think Andrew Bolt's coming. I feel like he's maybe he's gone through a divorce. He's met someone else. He's feeling happy with his life. He's suddenly thinking about maybe I'm wrong about everything. Maybe I should be a nice person. Starting to get big into Reiki. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Wearing lots of flowing white linen clothes and sandals. Oh. He's probably gone vegan. Oh, Buying a house in Nimbin. Sell, selling his house in Nimbum so he can live on a yacht. <laughs> Andrew, uh, if you're listening, we'll embrace you. You can you can come honestly, on over. 
we'll forgive every bad thing you've done. Uh, just become a big pinko lefty boomer. Yep. We'll accept you because we're lefties and we, we're all about feelings. All about the tolerance. All about tolerance. Um, and, of course, we would all really enjoy the massive aneurysm that Miranda Devine would have. Don't? Yeah, they hate each other, right? Is it Bolt and Devine that hate each other or is it Bolt and Rita that hate each other? I think I think Devine, I, kind of, I don't know. I'm pretty sure they all hate each well, other. Well, Devine's normally on Mark Latham shows. I don't know how Latham and Bolt feel about each other. But Latham's never on the Bolt show. Hmm. They've had clashes, according to this Google search I've done. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, but, yeah, I'm pretty sure they've... They don't get along very well. Look, we'll put together a little flow chart. Who hates um, who? So we'll sort it all It'll out. Be like leftist Twitter. Who hates who? Who doesn't talk to who? Oh, <laughs> I like and talk to everyone. Me too, because I'm a pussy ass bitch. Except for that time you stood up for a pixelated boat, but let's not. What's yeah, people. Yeah, Pix- that's like, that was a fun I time. Like, I like boat. Let's not rehash that. I yeah, like sure. boat. <laughs> Me too. He's a nice boy, and his name is also Ben, so I feel a deep, oh, I didn't know that. powerful That's connection true. to him, as I do with all Ben. It's the closest link you can have. Let's not Except get into leftist Benito Mussolini. <laughs> <laughs> He's the one hmm. Ben with whom I've never the felt any ben. affinity. Would you, would you call Mussolini Ben? I've I don't think anyone's ever called him Ben. I, his close <laughs> friends probably called him Ben. I don't think they did. I don't, th- I don't think Ben's a Benny. name in Italy. Oh, Benny's here with the beers. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're going to talk about this fucking article. No, I right. need to, someone to further explain to me a scenario where Benito Mussolini would casually, surprisingly rock up to something with some beers. Yeah. Oh, Benny's here with the Peronis. <laughs> oh, okay. No, now I can see it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, some, no, no, I think we can probably leave it there. <laughs> So, um, of course, even though Lucy has invited Andrew Bolt to join the left wing. I have. Um, formal invitation. Formal invitation to join the left wing, but he has not accepted yet, there which means that we an can still publicize. <laughs> like a frat party type thing. Like you, yeah, you want to haze. You want to yeah, haze. Yeah, I'm going to haze. There's going to be like dildos to, uh, and like. Yeah, you have to suck one dick. You have to take hard-earned money off uh, a, a wealthy person, and you need to tear pages out of the Bible while wearing mm. a dress. Yeah, very American. While drinking, while drinking a beer bong out of Theo's ass. <laughs> um. So, of course, uh, because he has not accepted, um, he has not pledged to the left yet, uh, which means we can still publicize a, a recent incidents of one of our favorite types of events, which is. Uh, conservatives um, accidentally and unconsciously hugely owning themselves on the public stage. Um, who would like to explain this one? Um, I can give it a crack. So, um, Bolt publicized that uh, through, uh, you know, secret sources, uh, an MP has twice told him uh, that said MP will be resigning uh, if... Turnbull or Bishop are PM 
at the end of the month. And this is from a few few days ago. And I think um, someone asked George Christensen on Sky News whether um, uh, Samantha Maiden of Sky News um, asked him whether uh, whether he was uh, the MP that they were referring to and all Georgie boys gone, no. No, it wasn't me. Um, but it uh, turns out uh, it was him um, and he had just fed the story, um, hey, don't use my name, just say uh, an anonymous MP has said this and uh, just, you know, we'll get some Andy Turnbull stuff um, going, which, you know, of course, Andrew Bolt has regurgitated um, immediately uh, as uh, also gave that to Peter Credlin, um, who is now a media figure for reasons that are just beyond my understanding. Um, And then as soon as uh, he burned um, Andrew Bolt, uh, Andrew Bolt burned him as a source right back um saying hey no actually it was it was you uh and this is exactly what you've done which is it's so bizarre to me because he's just sort of pulled his own pants down it's <laughs> it gone like look at what you've done and just i, I don't I, I don't understand his end game here because he's he's embarrassed himself more than he has george christensen um, but they all they all look it's, bad. The thing about this that's really just the thing that stuck with me is how shameless these people are about so operating shameless. as machinery for politicians. Like so, in the uh, the article Andrew did after um, uh, Christensen told him that he'd fucked him, basically. Uh, he goes, Nationals MP George Christensen privately told me, Peter Credlin and Corey Bernardi, that he would quit the Turnbull government if Malcolm Turnbull was still Prime Minister this week. He authorised me and Peter to spread the word without using his name, hoping to create maximum pressure on Turnbull. Authorised. Like, mm. what, what? He has allowed me to say these things in public. Yeah, to so transparently act out a, a very specific political agenda in favour of, you know, whatever they want to have going on. And... You know, it's he's a columnist, not a, a journalist. Although all of these columnists pretend like they are journalists, but still, just that that idea of just being like, oh, you know, I was just doing this this thing because I wanted specifically this to happen. I don't know. It's just terrifying how uh, not at all embarrassed by this they are. Well, yeah, there, like you said, there is the whole transparency of it, and there there was that recent incident of um of Alice Workman again when she was uncovering that whole story about Michaelia Cash and um, her her staffer leaking that story um, about the the raid against the union to uh, to the media and yeah and, and in the course of that um, Sherry Markson who is now the editor of the Daily Telegraph is that correct wow is she Probably. I think I think she's just the editor now, the straight up editor. Wow. Um, and she she was talking about how it was a you know it was a dark day for journalism because people had just gone and said stuff about about staffers in the media without them you know saying whether or not you should. Say. <laughs> she was basically saying, oh, somebody revealed their source or gave away something a politician didn't want given away. She's like, that's why none of you lowly pleb journalists will ever get the cabinet leaks or any of that sort of stuff. All these people were like, 
great. So you're just a mouthpiece for for senior government officials. So you'll you'll like it's like you're saying, man. I don't understand how somebody could not be embarrassed by essentially admitting very very publicly. Oh, I would never publish something that would embarrass a senior member of the government because that might stop that member of the government from hand feeding me pieces of information that they want broadcast to the public. It's it doesn't matter whether those things are true. It doesn't matter whose agenda those things serve as long as I get to put them in the paper and write exclusive in the little the little bold all caps font that they do in the news corp papers. Yeah, it's it is an absolutely fucked way of looking at journalism, but again, so they just completely she felt perfectly fine defending well no attacking what um alice workman did exactly on those terms that was it she was just like well they won't give you any other stories like well you're you're actually you're a journalist you're meant to find these stories you're not a pr person well we may have spoken about this on the show when it happened but um the part of shari's reasoning for this uh for saying it was bad was being like, oh, you know, they're a whistleblower leaking this information. And so they shouldn't have been reported or identified, which I don't believe the workman story did actually identify them anyway. But like, they're not a whistleblower. They're not, no. they're not revealing any secret machinations that are going on because they think they're bad or anything. This was someone from inside the office doing the office and the government a favor you know, the leak itself was the story. It's not like they were leaking mm. other confidential information. I don't know. It's just a fucking batshit way. It's it's not like they were telling the union, look out, guys, they're going to run a raid to make sure. <laughs> like, yeah. It's not like they were doing that. Yeah. it's it's. Well, the funny thing about the Bolt thing is that it wasn't even a leak. There's one step like even further removed from that where it was just one MP just whinging. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, well, not even. Inside sources, like no, no one gives well, a shit. And like Bolt had a very specific rebuke to uh, Catherine Murphy, who said basically exactly that. Like no one, no one gives a shit if an MP's like if a um, MP that no one cares about is having a bellyache. Like that's not that's not a source. That's not a leak. This is boring. And uh, and so Andrew Bolt kind of. Said, so, well, oh, you you just watch. Um, but the fun thing I think coming out of this is that uh, the MP gave a one one month kind of deadline uh, when Andrew Bolt said, "Oh, you just watch." That was uh, when he and he said, "Tick tick tick." <laughs> that was on November twenty fifth. So one month from that day, um, I assume we're all going to be unwrapping a Christmas present of uh, George Christensen uh, resigning, or. Andrew Bolt making being made to look like a huge fool. Um, I will take either. Yeah, they both sound good. Yep. Uh, well, and you would also hope that maybe in the course of owning himself uh, publicly that Andrew Bolt has fallen on his sword and helped expose George Christensen as being um, all mouth and no, no whatever the other thing is. All mouth and I no dick? Is, I don't know. I bet he is all mouth. Uh, no whip, I believe. <laughs> I bet he's all mouth if you get what I'm saying. Come on now, Lucy. It's not very woke. I'm talking talking about a blowjob. Oh, right. Okay. In that case, that's fine. Um, Yeah, because like we're saying, people shouldn't shouldn't be mouthpieces for for the government to help them put pressure on other members of their own government that they are a part of 
No, it seems bad. Yeah, and hopefully, um, hopefully, other journalists will say, "Ah, well, if George Christensen tells you something, it doesn't mean anything anyway. He's not going to do it." We can only hope. We can only hope people will stop listening to George Christensen uh, talk about anything, really. Hmm. Hmm. Ideally. Hmm. And on that note, we're going to wrap it up. We ourselves are going to practice what we preach and also stop talking. I will never. Even once the microphone switched off, I will be talking alone in my apartment. I'll be posting. Do the geckos. I won't stop posting. To Greg and his friends. Oh, Lucy will never stop posting. And the um and the new brood of uh, turkeys a in fresh, your side yard. A fresh season of turkeys, as we say. Just, just can we can we just clarify that like you're being serious about the animals in Queensland? There's geckos and turkeys. One hundred percent. Yeah, bush turkeys. Yeah. The beautiful noble. Do you do you do you want to see our bush turkeys in Queensland? Do you, do you not have them in Victoria? I've seen a bush turkey when I've been out in the outback. But I, I oh, they're not, they're not just cruising around like they are there. They're like, Do they just hang out? Yeah, like literally every time I go to Ben's house, um, a bush turkey walks up yeah. to the window. Mm. There's like 10 <laughs> that live in a like two meter by four meter area of scrub uh, next to my apartment, uh, which seems like an unfeasible amount to be able to survive in there. But they're, uh, they're all in there and they love getting all really? up in my shit. Life finds a way. Yeah. Theo, did we? I just, were you I, with me when I saw the little baby one the other day. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. There's a new, there's a new basket of oh, uh, broodlings. He was little. He was very adorable. <sighs> they, they're cute. And that was the third installment <laughs> of the Nature Corner. It's not the. We're not finished. I have, I have bats at my Ugh. house. I went, I went outside my house, and there was a bat hanging from my railings. And it made me very upset and scared oh, until I googled bats and I realized it was a fruit bat and it's very harmless and will not hurt me. Hmm. That's, that's my story. <laughs> I, I had a friend um, who lived at a guy's place, which is in such disrepair um, that all the walls filled with bees <laughs> and then bees started coming out of the PowerPoints. And then one, and he would send him these messages like, oh, man, so sorry about the bees. Um, <laughs> and, then, and then the bees started slowly disappearing. And they're like, oh, that's good. Um, they realized that that was because there was a family of bats in the ceiling that were eating oh, all the bees. Oh. Wow. Oh. Wow. That's, uh, that's the circle of life. Speaking of uh, roof animals, just briefly, uh, one of my friends had a marvelous thing happen at her her house in Melbourne when all the, the big rains were around at the end of last week. She's in like a, a shitty cheap hair house, the share house that's falling apart. Uh, and during the heavy rains, a hole started to form in a roof and then mm. it, a hole just sort of collapsed through and then a kitten fell out onto her bed <laughs> and they named it Asbestos and they're keeping it. <laughs> wow, that's... The most Melbourne story I've ever heard. So it's pretty great. <laughs> oh my god, that's good. <sighs> okay, so are we actually are we actually done with? Yeah, that's nature, nature, nature corner. Uh, my neighbours have. Oh, a that's rabbit. a crime. <laughs> all right, folks. Well, all right, <laughs> folks. Hey, don't forget to uh, pay us money. Subscribe to the Patreon. Subscribe to the Patreon. Subscribe to us. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>